Well, good morning, Open Door. Good morning, Illyria. Johnny J here. Good to see you guys straight from B-Town. Big shout out to B-Town out there today. Behave yourselves. So listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right into it this morning. I want to start with the story. I've shared this story before, so I'll try to condense it a little bit, but I have a hard time as a storyteller keeping things short. Uh, but man, I dropped my kid in the ocean back in the day. Yeah, that happened. So Danette and I uh, were on vacation, family vacation. We were at Bethany Beach, Delaware. At the time, we just had one. I think we just had one. It's a little guy, my little guy, Jack. So something you need to know, new parents, you're looking forward to like that beach vacation with your kids. Taking a toddler to the beach, not fun, not fun. I'm just going to tell you right now. Pretty much all toddlers are different except when it comes to the beach. All toddlers want to do is fling sand. That's what you do at the beach with a toddler. You sit down, they fling sand. They eat sand, they roll in sand, they make you roll in sand. Not a lot of fun. So anyhow, it's been a few hours of this. He's all sandy, I'm all sandy. I was like, babe, I need to take him down to the water, get this stuff washed off. Okay. My wife is married to me. She's not stupid. So she goes, okay. Just don't take him in the ocean. What moron would take a toddler in the ocean? Ding, 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 ding. I'm like walking down there thinking like, I'm getting this kid in the ocean, man. You don't tell Johnny J what to do. So we're down there and I'm doing like the thing at the edge and we're getting the stuff off. And my wife is also not stupid. She knows, she knows what I'm thinking. So she's watching me. So I'm just trying to ease my way in there. And guys, it's a calm, it's a calm motion day. For real, I'm not going to take my kid out when the waves are crazy and all that. And so we're just sort of making our way out. And I'm probably about, I probably made it up to about maybe mid-calf. And I hear, John, um, here we go. Here we go. Getting yelled at. Everyone on the beach can hear. Moms don't care. Moms more worried about the kid. So I'm pretending like I don't really, you know, hear her because we were a little ways out now. But again, and I'm looking down now and I'm like, I don't know if I've hit a sandbar or something. It's barely covering my feet. And I'm like, relax. And she's, John. So I'm like, here we go. So I got to turn around because, you know, she's clearly embarrassing herself and the whole beach. And as I turn around, you know, again, shallow there. And I can, I can feel now the people on the beach. It's like a bunch of you people there. They're watching. They're watching this scene unfold. And they have my full support. They can see what's going on out here. They're like, hey, I'm sorry she's yelling at you. Clear you got it. They're like mouthing these things to me. You know, I can feel their energy. But we start heading our way back in. And uh, now what I know now that I didn't know then, I thought I was standing on a sandbar. But what I know now is, is when a tsunami is forming, the water kind of recedes from the beach, you know. It looks like dry ground. So as I'm making my way in, I have no idea that there is a giant wave out of nowhere forming behind me because God has a great sense of humor and loves to prove to men that women are always right. And we, I didn't see it coming. You know, and it doesn't take much in the ocean, but we got cracked. We got walloped, you know. And for a split second, I lost this little dude. You know, I'm in the whole, like, watching cycle. I'm like, if you die, that's okay. Just hold on to the carcass of your child. Made it up. Get the whole, like, wave of shame that pushes up on the shore. Ironically, when I made there, of course, she, she jerked him away. She's like, I'm going to get him away from this crazy madman. And all that support I felt on the beach, it was gone. It was gone. 
Most people, I'm pretty sure a woman threw a juice box at my head. Um, yeah, now I'm a finest hour, people. So I'm the guy closing out the parenting series today. <laughs> Welcome to Parenting by John Jacobs. How did this happen? So why would I tell you guys this? Well, here's what I know that a lot of you already know. And if you're new parents, maybe you don't know, but you're going to know today. And I promise you, the time will come, okay? You can laugh at me all you want, but I promise you, the time will come when you are going to do something with that kid that you never thought you would do. You're going to make a stupid mistake. Your spouse is going to make a stupid mistake. Or your kid is going to do many dumb things that you never thought would happen. I promise you, everyone's got their plan, but the time will come. The time will come. And this is a great place for us to kind of end this series because I don't know if you guys have been tracking. We've had nine sermons in this, okay? A lot of information. Everyone's perfect parents now, right? About eight hours They launched the resource page, which we hope you guys take advantage today. Great stuff on there. I thought, man, what if someone's not digging the open door stuff? What if I got on Amazon? There was over 50,000 results popped up when I put like parenting books. So then I'm like, Christian, 20,000, a ton. We're starting parenting classes. We got all this stuff for you guys. But we all know what, man. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Everyone's got a plan. And all jokes aside, there's many people sitting out here, and that's exactly what's happened to you. You had that kid, and it's not at all like you thought. You are in a world of hurt already. Just the physical dreams you had for your kid didn't pan out like it was. Man, what do I do with this? The spouse that you decided to partner up with, things ain't going so good there. Maybe if I just had someone with me, but that's not how the story's going. All kinds of issues that you'd never thought you'd have to deal with with this child that started so good, so promising. And you come home and you're smelling the dope or you're seeing someone climb out of the bedroom window and you're like, man, this isn't the story that I thought. And I'm being for real, and in all of our campuses, there's people sitting out here, and you're dealing with all kinds of things, like, where's the book for that? Where's your fancy little tidbit of info to fix this, John? And I promise you, promise you, God does have a change for you. God does have hope for you. I'm so glad you're here today. But like everything, I want you, I want you to know this. It's the first thing I want you to know today. God wants to change things. He really does. And some of you have been sitting here for weeks and nothing's really hit you. And that's because before anything changes in your life, long before that, something's got to happen right here. We're talking about the heart today. Don't you guys know this is true? It's both good and bad. Things happen in our life and they don't really affect us until it gets into this inner place in here. It's the most sacred part of you, this place that God made called your heart. So we're talking about it again because we're going to be talking about Mary's heart. 
We've been in a story in the Gospels, in Luke, been in Luke chapter two, and we've got one story. Guys, it's fascinating to me. In the life of Jesus, we have one account of what it's like for him to be a little boy. Did you know that? Only one time, man. He's 12 years old, so it's in Luke, starts Luke 2.41. Let me just kind of catch us up to where we're at today. Been in here for three weeks. So Joseph and Mary take little guy. They're traveling in a caravan up to Jerusalem. They're gonna celebrate the Passover up there. There's a lot of people. They traveled in caravans, you know, families, friends, all together. It's usually how they did it. They get there, they do it, they boogie out when it's done. And a ways down the road, they realize little dude ain't with us. He ain't here, okay? And the Bible's really clear. This is on Joseph and Mary. It says, and thinking he was in their company. So now guys, we all know, we all know it was on Joseph. Come on, fellas. We know Joseph got blamed for this, okay? Bible doesn't tell us, but we know Joseph's like, oh yeah, he's back there. I got him. They think he's there. They don't check. They travel out for a day. He's gone. Their fault. They got to take a day to get back. Day to find him. Jesus has been missing for three days. I lost my kid for a split second in the ocean. They lost the Messiah for three days because of themselves. That's traumatic enough. I want you to think as a parent how that would be feeling. Man, oh, what's going on in Mary's heart, in Joseph's heart? Now, in addition to that, this story is so strange. They finally find him, he's in the temple. Of course, Jesus is, man. He's listening to the teachers. He's asking questions. So here comes Mary. Here comes Joseph. Three days, they're reunited. No movie moment. You know, you'd expect little man to come running like, Mom, he crying. Oh, thank God you're here. Uh-uh. They're like, man, Jesus, what, what's going on? What are you doing? We've been looking for you, man. Why'd you treat us like this? What are you looking for me for, man? You didn't know where I had to be. I had to be here in my dad's house. That's, that's where I had to be. He doesn't exactly seem pumped to see them. What a weird story. What would that be doing to your heart, mom? Three days. No tears. Oh, no, no. I wanted to be here the whole time. So the Bible tells a story. So then it tells us that Jesus leaves with them. It says they went back down to Nazareth. They're walking down, and he was obedient to them. I want you to think about what that walk was like. Probably pretty quiet, right? Man, I almost lost my kid. This is the Messiah. Did that really happen 12 years ago? Did God, what, did that really, he, is this really how it's supposed to go, man? And should we even be taking him back with us? He said he's supposed to be there. I, what is going on? Traumatic experience for these parents. And then the Bible gives us one line that we're going to be looking at today. Doesn't talk about Joseph anymore. We don't hear from him again. Doesn't talk about Jesus. God shines a spotlight on Mama, on Mary. She's walking home, and all this has happened. And it tells us that, that she treasured these things in her heart. We know what that word means, right? Treasured, it's pretty obvious. It's where you preserve something. It's where you keep something safe. And she's doing it again in this most sacred place that she has. So as I was thinking about this, I, like a lot of people, um, 
that have kids, that are married. There's places we keep things that are special to us, right? And I was sitting there preparing, and my wife has this little, little treasure box. Literally looks like a treasure box, doesn't it? And it sits in front of our fireplace. And I hadn't looked at this thing in years. And what she's done is over the decades we've been together, she has put little things inside of her that she treasures, that she wants to keep safe, things that mean a lot to her. It's fun. I hadn't gone through this. I was like, oh, what's up? She kept a little mixtape I made. Like on the first like official date, I was going all out, man. I'm like, this girl's out of my league. I got to like, I got to put the awesome Johnny J mixtape together. She kept it. Yep, there's a little locket of my daughter Jasmine's hair with a date on it in a baggie in the box. Uh, our little guy, one of our favorite pictures, man. You know, you're, the first kid gets all the pictures, you know, and he was wearing this cool little Andy Cap hat and he had some suspenders and she's like, I'm keeping this thing, man. All kinds of letters from different people, from me, from the kids, little baby hats. Guys, we got, we got the Millie Vanilli CD in here, yeah. This was our first concert. Girl, you know it's true. She kept the ticket stuff, man. Oh, this is when you know it's getting good. I looked this thing up on eBay. I'm like, maybe it's worth money. Like six bucks. It ain't worth nothing. Treasure. Man, dude, to, to go back through this was powerful. Some things I knew about, some things I didn't. She kept it all safe right here. So that's the picture we get. I want you guys to think today about this is, this is our heart. This is where we keep things that are important to us. But what's interesting to me about Mary in that walk home after this trauma, that's strange that that's, it lets us know that she treasured all these things in her heart. All these things? Believing her kid? The way Jesus reacted, I don't know about you. Those are like the first things I want to get rid of. First things I want to scrub about my mind. I guarantee when she caught back up with the people, she didn't want to talk about the fact of what happened, right? Mary's treasuring all these things, that part of the story. And parents, people of open door, I can't stress this enough. This is something so many people miss. These are the things we want to get rid of. And these are the things that often God uses for the greatest impact. I want to promise you that every single little, tiny, huge, beautiful, horrific, all of it, every part of your story belongs. Every part of your story belongs. You got to ask yourself, have you read your Bible? The Bible is full from the front page to the back page of stories, and there's no way I would tell them that way. Tragedy, sin, betrayal, failure. Over and over, God refuses to sanitize it, sterilize it, because it all belongs. And it belongs there because so much of what we're doing today, so much of what we're doing in our walk with God, and parents, I promise you, this is what you're doing. There's this big question is we're pursuing this thing called faith, man. What do I do with what's going on up in here? 
I've got some things happening in this marriage that is way bigger than me, and I'm hurting. What do I do with this? I've got some things that I'm finding out about my kid that I never thought in a million years. I've looked at other people and said, not mine, and here it is. I'm dealing with it. What do I do with my pain? And what do we all try to do, man? I need to numb it. I need to medicate it. I need to get it away. I just want to discard it. And I promise you, what if pain was not a punishment? What if God left that all in there because pain has a purpose? What if pain was there from God to be a teacher? What if pain, the pain you've gone through, the pain your kids are going through or going to go through, what if God somehow wanted to use all of that to transform and heal pain in the world and pain in other people? Thinking again about people in this church that I love, people going through hard things. I'm thinking about times in my own life and it's such a natural instinct, right? When you got something in your story that feels so much bigger than you, so much harder than you can ever handle. And I saw this quote, uh, man, this is so true, so true. Sometimes when you're in that dark place and you think, man, I am buried. I can't believe my spouse left me alone to do this, or I can't believe they're not pulling their weight. I can't believe again, I'm dealing with this thing at work or with my kid or in the world. You feel like you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. How many of us have thought, man, God, there's clearly, you didn't want me with this spouse. God, clearly, there's no way that there must be some mistake. These kids, I cannot handle these. I can't do it. You got the wrong dad. You got the wrong mom. You got the wrong person. These friends, that coworker, this is just too big. I can't handle it. God, what were you thinking? He was thinking long before you were. My Bible tells me that before you came out the womb, before you were ever sucking air on planet Earth, that he sat down and he wrote a story. And he knew all about it, all about it. God is not sitting up there surprised today like, oh, man, what's going to turn out with that one? Look at little Timmy. Did we create him? Is this what's going on? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So I want to talk to you moms. I want to talk to you dads. I want to talk to you kids. I want to talk to the people that are feeling like, man, it's too much. It's too big. The pain is too great. What do I do when the book didn't work? What do I do when I click on the resource and nothing seems to help? What do I do when I attend the class and it just feels like still so overwhelming? I want to tell you what you can do. I want to tell you the best thing you can do. It's my whole sermon right here, guys. Summon it all up. When that whammy hits, when that unknown thing hits, when the cops are knocking on the door again, when you find the paraphernalia in the basement, when you walk in and you got home early and your little dude is trying on clothes from your daughter's closet, that thing, what do I do here? Are we talking real now? The best thing you can do is to remember what God can do. The best thing you can do is to remember what God can do. How do I do that? I got to treasure something up, man. I got to treasure the things he says. 
not what I say, not what they say, not what she says, what he's already said and what he's already done. You're looking at Mary walking home from this. This is the Messiah again, guys. How's she feeling like? I mean, are there some questions? We don't know. I'm speculating here. But we see this beautiful thing that she's going to treasure up all these things. Why would she do that? Because we see a pattern in Mary's life. This is what she's doing. It's kind of cool because the Bible tells us she's a singer-songwriter, for real. I think it's so cool. It says at some point she sat down and she wrote this song after she found out she was going to give birth as a virgin to the Messiah. Again, you talk about a crazy way to tell the story, what this is going to do to this young Jewish girl that, by the way, God didn't announce it to the whole village. She gets to hear it privately. But at some point, she sits down and she writes a song and she's singing it. And I love the first line. It should be our heart as parents, man. My soul. Again, guys, you know what your soul is? So when you walk into a room and you, sometimes you feel people like our spirits are out here, okay? Right? You, you feel like, woo, they're kind of... They're kind of spicy today, like something's wrong. Or like, man, they're in a great mood. Like we connect in our spirits. It's what goes out from us. Our soul is this deep part where we live from. Mind, our will, our emotions, our heart. There's this deep part. Mary says, that, that in me, that glorifies the Lord. You know what most of us do? We glorify our situation. That's what we want to talk about or we glorify what someone else is saying about our situation, or what social media is telling us, Mary says, my focus, my soul, what I'm magnifying, what I'm putting weight on is him. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm concentrating on. I'm not a situational follower. I, my soul, glorifies the Lord. And there's such an awesome line. We don't have time, of course, to go through the whole song, but I was sitting here like, God, what, what do you want to tell us at parents at the end? And there's this awesome line that she puts in there as she's singing. And she says this, man, he's brought down rulers from their thrones. Hmm, yeah. Down with Biden, right? Yeah. No, it's not what God's talking about, guys. Listen, think about it. There's such beautiful freedom here for parents. You know what most of our problem is when we're, we're overwhelmed and we're stressed with our kids? Because we're the ruler. What parent hasn't? You know, the, your wife gets pregnant, you're about to have a little guy, a little girl, and you sit down and you do what? You just start dreaming. That's what we do. That's nothing wrong with that. Oh, man, I'm going to teach them everything I know. I'm going to have a little rock and roller. I was going to have a little basketball star. I had it all mapped out in my mind, and this is how they're going to act with their classmates. They're going to be an amazing student. They're going to go to law school. They're going to live in the suburbs, and they're going to buy me a really big house when I'm old. It's going to be awesome. John J. rules. God's like, listen, man, let me help you with something. Let's bring you down from that. I already wrote the story. How are you going to rule if I wrote the story? Who's in charge here? I need to bring you down from that throne. And most of us go through life as parents and really as people in this posture. It ain't working out, you know? And instead of us turning to God, we're just doubling down like, what is going on with this kid, man? Like, come on, get it together. Or we're getting mad at the kids around them or our spouse because we've got it all locked down. Ruler Johnny J knows what is up. And this is what we're doing. And some of you are doing this today because you've got your plan. 
You've got your reality. And what God's trying to do is bring you down. So I want everyone to do me a favor. All the campuses, all you guys out here, let's go ahead. Just go ahead and cross your arms. You don't need to be mad. It's okay. Everybody, I see you rebels trying not to do it. Come on. Until every arm is crossed, we're not moving on. This could be a long sermon. This a little object example of what happens to us, guys. You got it? You got it locked in? Okay, and again, this is our posture in life. Okay, this is how I feel it should be. This is what's comfortable for me. You ready to get weird? Cross them the other way. How weird does that feel? First time I did this, guys, I was literally like, what am I doing? Why can't I do that? I can't cross my arms. Because <laughs> this is how it goes, right? It was just a simple experiment I saw. They said, just cross them the other way. It's called cognitive dissonance. Everything in your brain tells you, no, 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 get back to here. This is how it has to be. We don't want to be uncomfortable. To walk with God, to walk in this life, to follow him, guys, is to live in this posture of uncomfort, of uncertainty. God's trying to bring down rulers today and actually set you free, by the way. And why does he want to bring rulers down? The next part of the line of that song is so beautiful. So he can lift you up. So he can lift you up. It's funny, even in our desire to rule, when we come to God, what do we do? We open up our heart, we open up our box, and we start telling God, okay, God, here's what I need you to do, man. I've got some issues going on. We definitely need to get rid of Milli Vanilli. This is a bad choice. God, take this out of my kid's life, you know. And God, just this relationship is no good. Let's remove this. And actually, maybe you could put some of this in, God. Let me just tell you what needs to happen. And sometimes those are real things, right? The addiction, the damaging relationship, and it feels so right to tell God this is what needs to happen. But you know what really needs to happen? Before you do anything with your treasure, with your heart, why wouldn't you just take the whole thing before you know what's up and say, God, this is yours. This is yours. You wrote the story. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me right now. Before I start messing with things in the box, before I start asking for you to do things in here, God, I just want to give this whole thing to you. Can I ask you a question? How can God lift your kids up if you never lay them down? How can God lift your kids up if you've never stopped and been humble enough to say, let me, let me take the fail here, God. I'm just going to lay him down and let you tell the story. It's our, it's our heart, right? My kids can't be my treasure. Actually, if I love them, my treasure will be him. Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart, by default, is going to be. How many of us mess up because our kids are our treasure? How many of us mess up because our spouse is our treasure? How many of us mess up by making anything other than God our treasure and say, God, I want to follow you. I need to listen to you because I love my kids. That's where my treasure is. That's where my heart is. You know what happens when we give God our heart? The stories start to show up and sound very different because he's telling them. Going back to the Bible, going back to God, allowing all this craziness to happen in there. 
Why in the world would God tell the story of Moses and the Israelites with Moses murdering a man, having to run for his life out into the wilderness. He's there for 40 years, herding sheep. He's like a nobody. He's stuttering. And all of a sudden, God comes along in a burning bush. Why would God write the story like that? Because there's moms and dads out here. Their kids have made a massive mistake and they've been on the run, and they've been wandering, and God wants you to know the stories I write, maybe 40 years, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. This is how I tell stories. Why would God tell the story of one of my spiritual heroes, Elijah? Homeboy is calling down fire from heaven, blasting the Baal people like, what's up? And a few verses later, he's running for his life like a coward. He's in a cave, and he's depressed and he's done, and he's suicidal. Did you know Elijah was suicidal? He's like, God, I'm done. Just, why would God write the story like that? Because God knows some of your kids started so strong, they were doing so good, and out of nowhere, something happened, and they're, they're now, they're not in a cave, they're down in your basement. They're down in their part. They can't seem to come out. They can't seem to get it together. And God wants you to know, man, when I tell the story, it might just be this little, still, small voice, but I'm coming for them. I'm calling them out of that cave. That's what happens when we give God our heart and let him tell the story and let pain do the work. Because you know what's the pattern in all these stories, guys? There's a painful thing that makes no sense. Moses in the wilderness, Elijah in the cave, like why? And God always uses those wounded people, those people in pain. He touches them, he talks to them, and then you know what he does? He sends them out to people in pain, to people with problems. That's how he heals people. That's how he uses people. That's how he tells stories. That's why your pain has a purpose. And I get it. As you're thinking about your kids, the scary thing is this. Man, if I lay this down, I've read my Bible. I don't know if I want God to tell the story. I think I'd like to hold on to those reins. There's gonna be pain involved. But will you have the courage to believe any pain that your child has to go through, any pain that you have to go through, God has a bigger purpose in it, to heal people, to touch people. And Mary's right there, guys. Her story's not done. Again, it's fascinating to me that God's shining a light on a woman, on a mom. And moms, I hope you know and feel the power and the gravity of your job. There's something different with the mom. I'm not saying, I'm a father, okay? Fathers have a huge role, but there's something powerful that God is showing us about this woman here. And for 18 years, we hear nothing from Mary and we hear nothing from Jesus till all of a sudden he's 30 years old. He has started his ministry. He's been baptized. The father God has spoken to him audibly. You guys remember this? This is my beloved son, man. I'm so proud of him. Okay, it's clicking. We don't need Mary now, right? Dunzo. Ministry started. It's happening. Jesus is just going to do this thing. But there's this amazing scene in John 2. There's a wedding. Jesus has been invited. 
His disciples have been invited. And Mama Mary's there. And there's a problem at the wedding. This couple, this family, in Jewish culture, man, they had the weddings lasted a long time, man. They partied, they celebrated. And all of a sudden, they don't have any more wine. It's fascinating to me, guys, going back to pain. You've got this little Jewish woman there that didn't have that fancy wedding. She didn't get to try on that gown with her mom, didn't get to go down the aisle. And how many people, man, misery loves company, right? And I promise you, there's two main responses to pain. You got people out there that say, you hurt me, they hurt me, the world hurt me, so you know what? I'm gonna hurt you back, bad. And you got some other people that say, you hurt me, they hurt me, the world hurt me, I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure nobody feels like that ever again. And you got this little Jewish woman saying there's a problem at a wedding that she never got to have. And she looks at her son and she says this dangerous phrase, and trust me, it is dangerous. They don't have any more wine. So dangerous about that, John, because she knows that this is it for her, man. She's sending him off. Story's not about her anymore. She's had 18 years of peace and she knows something's coming. So of course we know what Jesus responds. He's like, sweet, let's go. Yeah, I knew it was time, mama. Yeah, awesome. Mm -mm. Fascinating, guys. Jesus Christ says, mom, time out. Just chill. (laughs) What are you trying to get me involved for? All right? I think we can clearly see, like, I don't think we really need any more wine. Did you see Tina in the back corner? She's up on the table. I think maybe we need to shut this thing down. Let's dance a little bit more. And I think we should all just go home. Like, mom, mom, why are you involving me? My hour has not yet come. The time for all of us will come to make a choice with ourselves, with our kids, with the people we love. What story? Are we going to invite them in? Mom, is Jesus talking? Is he lying? Is he play acting? For some reason, he's holding off. Like, Because once these miracles start to happen, that clock is ticking toward what? Imminent death. Imminent pain. Hold on, Mom. I don't know. I don't know about you as a parent. I'd be like, cool. (laughs) Well, you're the Messiah, so let's, yeah. Let's tap the brakes. Okay, I thought, but I guess I was wrong. Man, I love Mary because I love women that call forth greatness. No matter the cost out of me, the men I love, the women that I love, it's so powerful. And she just looks at the servants. She doesn't take his answer. Just in a beautiful motherly way, she just says, do whatever he tells you. Knowing, Jesus knowing now he's got this choice. Do I step into this? Do I do this? And this powerful phrase, to give your kids to God, to give their life to God. Guys, let's, let's not kid. It's dangerous, but is it worth it for what comes on the other end? 
Is it worth it for him to tell the story no matter how painful to see the healing that he can bring? And what if we could be moms and dads and brothers and sisters that rather than us trying to tell the story, rather than us trying to fix the people, all we said to one another is, amen. Do whatever he tells you. That's what I want for you. Man, I got a dream. Yeah, I want you to do good in school. I want you to do well on the team you're on. But like at the end of the day, little guy, little girl, my heart is a dad for you. My heart is a mom for you. It's just do whatever he tells you. Let him tell the story. Because again, in all situations, am I supposed to rely on myself? Was Mary a superhero? Mm-mm. She knew always the best thing I can do is remember that God can do so much more for me. I treasure what he said. That word have I hidden in my heart. That's not memorization, guys. That's, that's his words coming alive, what he's spoken over me, that I am God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. Your kids are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do amazing rock star Can you believe it? Good works on this planet right now. And I know that because I know what he's already done. I know what he's already told in the stories that he's done. And this for me was so ironic to get this, guys, because this is so much of my life. I wouldn't be here without women. Amen but mainly women in my life that saw something that I could never see in myself. Forget about just dropping kids in the ocean, man. I've been, I've been dropping air balls my whole life, man. You know? And the message really was stay away. You know, th- this guy's trouble. Th- this guy's bad news. It's just, it was, it was what I had allowed in my heart. But I had these women in my life, my mom, doggedly pursuing me. A lot of you know my mom's favorite scripture, Ephesians 3.20, and she'd constantly, as things were going wrong, John, come on, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ask or imagine. John, don't, come on, John, I know what you did. I did some bad stuff in front of my mom, man. But my God, I know him. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit, and I talked about my mom first service, but I just want to thank another lady because, guys, this is such a beautiful picture, and I hope you have something in your life that you save things that are important to you. I hope that you have something in your life, some place where you can say, this is the best part of the people I know. And it may be weird, man. It may be a Milli Vanilli CD. It may be a little kid's thing. But I'm going through this box. And I'm looking at the things that, you know, that my wife saved Just, this is a, a tortilla bag from Chi-Chi's Mexican restaurant where I wrote her a note, a dumb note that I'm not going to read here, but it has something to do with turtles. And it was the, the day 
we both knew, man, we'd be together forever, and she saved us. She saved this thing, man. There's a note in here from my mom written to my wife thanking her for taking my kids to church alone because John isn't there. Wasn't dogging me out. Just, man, broke my heart. But my point is this. This woman saw things in me that I could never see in myself. And she had every reason to leave. I caused her so much pain. The story very well could be just do boogie, bail, go. But this is such a picture of the heart of God, guys. This is what he does. He takes everything that we can't remember, everything that we can't see. He's like, I'm holding it right here. I need you to give it to me, but I'm gonna keep it safe. I know what's happening out there, but I know who you are. And if you give this to me, man, I can remind you of what your true identity is and what you're called to do. And I literally got into ministry because of women like her and men like her loving me and pointing me back and saying, John, all this pain, all the things you've done, what if you could go there and channel all that to help people that are walking into this place that feel just like you, like a mess up, like a failure like a dad that has blown it on every level, like a husband that can't get it together, like a son that failed his parents over and over, but now God's changed things. What if you could be the guy there that could look them in the eye and say, man, there's hope. Your story's not done. God's gonna use that pain. And one of the things that I pulled out of this box, this was a little uh, a box inside of a box that I gave to her back in the day. It's, uh, we must've just had the two kids at the time. And I remember I had put a little... <laughs> a necklace in it and wrote a note and I forgot, but uh, it's busted up. The glass is broken out here, but I, I opened it up. And it's like, when God holds it, man, the song is right. The story's right. He always gets it right. And so I'm in ministry to tell the mom out there, the dad out there, the man, the woman that thinks there's no hope for my kid. There's no hope for me as a mom. There's no hope for me as a person. God could never use me after what I've said, what I've done, where I've been, what I've been involved in. Oh, he can. My God loves the traffic and the impossible. I'm living, breathing proof of it. And my prayer is that the best thing we can all do is remember what God can do by treasuring what he said and what he's already done. And I'm praying over all you guys today. Anybody that believes it can't be me, I'm just saying, God, do it again. God, do it again. This is what he loves to do. Oh, you can't do it again. Yes, he can. God, do it again. Do it again. And so we're gonna take communion right now. Communion, we're gonna commune with the God that we're talking about that keeps our hearts so safe. And you know what we're gonna do in communion? We're not gonna focus on ourselves. Guys, please, this isn't your time to focus on you. You know what's your time to focus on? To remember. Communion, it's our time to remember. 
what God can do. And you're gonna hold a broken cracker and you're gonna hold some crushed up grapes and a little thimble and say that these are the two symbols that when you put these things in God's hands, anything broken, anything crushed, anything that's just given to him and say, hey, you do the story, God can do amazing things. What did he do with the broken body of our savior? What did he do with the blood that came out? He covered it all and said, man, you're all my kids. I wanna use you. I wanna tell a better story. And when we take that and we put it inside, we're saying, God, I remember that. Do it again. God, do it again. God, use me. Because it's about him. It's not about us, guys. It's all about Jesus. Paul wrote this to the Colossians. He said that my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, namely Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures. Why do we follow Jesus? Why do I give him everything? Because man, when I give it to him, all the treasures are hidden there of wisdom and knowledge. So Father, we thank you so much that you are the author of life. God, we thank you that you are the teller of amazing stories, stories that we could never dream, God. So we pray to you right now in Jesus' name. Our Father, the God of Abraham, the God that found the old guy that was washed up and done and nobody thought anything of this guy and you tapped him and you touched him and he said, I want to use you. I want to do something for you, through you. And we say, do it again, God. God, we pray for the mamas and the dads that got a little Jacob running around. They got a little deceiver. They got a little trickster. And say, man, they're going to wrestle a little bit. When you give them to me, I tell amazing stories. And God, we say, do it again. God, we're praying for the Peters out there, the rough and tumble fishermen, the wise guy betrayer. There's people sitting here that have betrayed their spouse. There's people sitting here that have betrayed their kids. There's kids sitting here that have betrayed their parents. But God, when you tell the story, the church comes alive through people like that. And we say, do it again. Do it again, God. And we pray for the little girls out there, the mamas-to-be, the women that will never birth a baby, like my beautiful mother figure, Kathy. Pray for all these natural mothers and spiritual mothers, God. They look like nothing. Little girls just walking around, but they got their yes in their hand. And they're involved in stories that a lot of people can't understand. And it looks like one thing, but it's another thing because you're telling a better story, just like you did with Mary. And we say, do it again, God. Do it again, God. And I pray for my brothers out there that think they're done, that think they're washed up, who think that they've went too far. And I pray that they'd meet a man that would tell them different who they are in Christ. I pray that they would meet a woman that would call out 
the most dangerous side of them and say that God's not done with you yet because you're the God of John Jacobs, the rebel, the dropper of little dudes in the ocean. And yet my heart is full of yours, God, and we say do it again. In Jesus' name.